0: We'll be in 1 John chapter 4. And uh, I'll begin reading at verse 12. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we loved one another... God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world." There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath punishment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. Let us pray. Loving Father, we do thank you that you have given us this plain instruction how to love God and to know that God is truly with us. I pray, Lord, that you would bless your word to our hearts, minister it to us according to your spirit and your ability to work in us in our very lives. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage and uh, bring a close to chapter 4, we find here that the love of God is very prominent, especially in the latter part of this chapter, where we are assured of the indwelling Christ because of the love of God which is shed abroad in our hearts. Three areas we'd like to look at upon the theme, seeing the invisible God. Well, we do know here that according to verse 12, It says, no man has seen God at any time. Of course, there's been various representations of God throughout human history. The burning bush that Moses saw on Mount Sinai. Certainly the pillar of fire and pillar of smoke. Or even the great darkness that sometimes overshadowed them when God's presence came Uh, near unto them, and the angel of the Lord, which sometimes did um, visit certain people in the Old Testament. And uh, let us remember also that uh, Jesus himself appeared in human form, and he is the Son of God. And so, what do we make of this statement, that no man has seen God at any time? Well, the true essence of God is beyond our ability to see. For God is a Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And certainly, He is considered to be an awesome God and terrifying to us. That is uh, the true essence of God. If we would, if it were possible for us to see it, would be too much for us to bear. Everything we understand about God reveals that He is uh, holy and righteous, and uh, of course uh, without sin, and that He truly um, is an awesome God. Uh, or even, you may even use the word terrifying in the sense that uh, he is the almighty God. Um, so there is uh, different aspects here that we are looking at when we consider uh, the the essence of God. And we may say, well, Jesus revealed himself and he is the son of God. But remember that God, Jesus, Jesus, uh, was veiled in human flesh. God, the incarnate God, when Jesus came into the world, he veiled his glory in human flesh. So he, we, we, uh, it is true that um, he was God, but yet at the same time, uh, man could not see his true glory as being the Son of God. And so um, there is a difference there of course and uh, that is the point to be made uh, no man has seen god at any time <clears throat> but uh, as we see here god dwells in the believer for he has given us of his spirit you see that is the also the other aspect of of god's presence is that he has given us of his spirit and so Seeing the invisible God is important to us as believers because his spirit is with us. Secondly, to abide in love is to abide in God. Um, The idea of abiding here is uh, to dwell in, as it says here in the scriptures, by this we know that we dwell in him, dwell in him. The idea is to abide in him. To dwell in God is to abide in God. And so um, to abide in love is to abide in God. And of course this love, this agapeo love, which we are talking about, this love of God is the true characteristic of his nature toward us. And then thirdly, we're going to be looking at uh, um, verses 17 to 21. It says, because we abide in God and God in us, we shall have boldness in the day of judgment. So we'll talk about that, what it means to have boldness in the day of judgment and what kind of judgment it is that he is talking about here. So, uh, verses 12 and 13, as we begin, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. So, in his divine nature and essence, God has never been seen by any man living. And, of course, uh, this being true, um, we find it also stated in John one eighteen. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. And so when Jesus was upon the earth, Jesus declared His Father. That is, He He spoke of Him. He witnessed of the Father's will, and He came to accomplish the Father's will. And so the invisible God became manifest to us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Yet in the experience of mutual love, as we see expressed here among believers, as we love one another, this invisible God actually lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Uh, So it's a little, uh, perhaps, uh, difficult for us sometimes to understand that God dwells in us. But we do know that is true. uh, uh, For the reason that the Word of God gives testimony to it, and secondly, for the reason that our lives have been well affected by being born again of God. Because we are born again of God, God has, by his Spirit, affected us and made us, as it were, uh, to be useful as instruments of God, channels that we might be channels for the Lord, uh, to be used for his glory. The term lives, once again, renders John's characteristic word here, and uh, so we... Take note of that that um, God lives in the life of the believer, and uh, the idea, as I said earlier, it, it means to abide. Uh, it is an abiding life, an abiding life. in first John two five we find that it says, "But whoso keepeth his word In him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. Hereby know we that we are in him. Because God's love is perfected in us. The idea of God's love reaching its completeness in a believer may suggest here a deep and full experience of the love of God. A deep and full experience. As we see in verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. So God's love is made perfect in us, and there is a sense of completeness of that love in us because God has revealed himself to us, And so in verse 13, he goes on to say, By this know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. He has given us of his spirit. And so God dwells in the believer, for he has given us of his spirit. Um, and of course, that's uh, the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has been given to us. And so as the Holy Spirit has come into our lives because of the new birth, then God is evident in our lives. He dwells in us. And um, so this is a very, a very important part of our relationship to God, is to know that God dwells in us because his Spirit has been given to us. Um, and, uh, and that is the great blessing that we realize and so the, the mutual abiding of a believer in God and God in the believer is spoken of here. Um, if we refer to John chapter 15, we find something similar being said. In John chapter 15, beginning with verse 4, we read, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. So Jesus spoke of this, of course, to his own disciples. Uh, He likened himself to the vine, and he likened the the disciples to the branches, and he's and he spoke of this abiding presence that uh, they would have with him, and without uh, that abiding presence, that he says you can do nothing. Uh, and so this is the this kind of the same principle that we're talking about here. Once we have come to faith in Christ and the Spirit of God abides in us, then. Uh, we abide in God, and God abides in us. And uh, we find this is um, of course, been exampled by what the, the Lord said to his own disciples in John chapter 15. So he has given us of, of his spirit, or out of his spirit, meaning that uh, we have become... Um, Uh, recipients of the Spirit of God. The same um, is spoken of in 1 John chapter 3 in verse 24 where he says, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him, and hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. So um, this uh, abiding presence here. Uh, spoken of as uh, as we keep his commandments, we dwell in him, so it is as we keep the word of God as we as the spirit of God is in us, we abide in him, and that abiding in us by the spirit which he hath given us that 's the abiding which we have, and so to abide. In love is to abide in God. To abide in love is to abide in God. And so secondly here, as we look at verses 14 to 16, the apostle now kind of reaches the point of his argument. Uh, He had uh, just stated, if we love each other, if we love each other, then... God dwells in us. This is a, a proof of a, of God's dwelling in us. His love is made complete in us as we love one another. And so the result of this experience is that we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. So look at verse 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And so by this abiding presence, um, if we are now knowledgeable of the fact that God sent his only begotten Son to be the Savior of the world. And so this great message of the Gospel keeps coming back to us in different ways as we think about the message of Christ. We know that Christ came because he was sent of the Father. He came into the world. And we do know that because Christ died upon the cross and he suffered for our sins, that he was resurrected and that he himself proved to be victorious over sin and death, and that all who believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ have the presence of the Spirit of God, then we know and confirm in our own hearts that God is with us and that the Father sent the Son. And uh, this is, uh, of course, a wonderful message of of salvation which God brings to us. And each one of the apostles had their own way to bring out more and more of the message of Christ and of redemption. And... uh, And so it is good for us to see how that each one of them do it. And John here emphasizes uh, this area of abiding presence with God and God in us by his spirit which he has given to us. And uh, we also see here uh, in this passage that he uses the plural pronoun we, verse 13, by this no we... And the word we, uh, this pronoun, means that he includes you and me in it. We is not just himself, but all of those readers that were reading the manuscript, the, the epistles. And uh, for us today, we are included in it. We also read these epistles. And uh, he says, by this know we. You and I know this by this very fact. That we dwell in him and he in us because he has given of his given us of his spirit. And so we know it because God has given us of his spirit. That's how we know it. Um, and verse fifteen uh, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And so um, the uh, um, I guess the best way to explain this is that uh, the testimony of the Christian is confession. What do we do? We confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so John is sim- simply stating here a fact. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Yeah, uh, of course, you, you have done that. I have done that. And every believer does that confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And because they confess that Jesus is the Son of God, they also know that God abides in them. Um, these uh, proofs continue to uh, confirm in our hearts the indwelling presence of God and the abiding presence of God. So to abide in love is to abide in God let's read the next verse verse 16 and we know and believed the love that God hath to us God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him and so uh, again these confirming elements of our Christian faith are very significant and begin to mount up to a great deal of evidence in our Christian walk of faith. Uh, What are they? That God abides with us. That we can love others and know that God is loving through us. That we realize that God uh, speaks to our hearts by his spirit. That his spirit is present with us. And we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. We confess the salvation that God gives. And so all of these things together uh, begin to uh, confirm in our own lives the greatness of the power of God and of his presence with us. And so John is, uh, is, uh, if you will, in his argument to make a clear case for the abiding presence of God and the love of God in us and of the faith that we have by the Spirit of God. As he makes these these arguments, he begins to clearly show um, how that we have the love of God in us. And so these words, as John reaches forward through the Scriptures and announces these things, is one that is very clearly that we have seen from the beginning of the chapter. Uh, In the beginning of the chapter, in chapter 1, it says this, "...that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon with our hands, have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And so, um, as he began at the very beginning of the book, uh, it was to lay out these evidences uh, of our true uh, presence, abiding presence with God, and God's abiding presence with us, and that as Christians, we should be showing the love of God to others, and that is a confirmation that God is with us. As Christians, we confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and that is a confirming evidence that uh, God abides in us. And as believers, we know that the Spirit of God is in us, and so that is an abiding evidence of the presence of God with us. All these things become more and more the evidence of the life, the abiding life of God in the believer. And then thirdly, um, here this afternoon, it says, Because we abide in God, and God in us, we shall have boldness in the day of judgment. So this is going to take us from verse 17 to the end of the chapter. And so herein, uh, uh, verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. And uh, how, how, was, uh, how is God? God is righteous. Uh, how is Jesus? God is, God is righteous. God is, uh, God is without sin. Jesus is without sin. And as he is, so are we in this world. We are without sin. Not because of ourselves, but because Jesus has taken our sin. And uh, he has taken our punishment. And, uh, and so he's, he says, Herein is our love made perfect. Uh, our love, the love of God in us, is made perfect because Jesus Christ has accomplished that for us. He has made us what we are. And so herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now what does that mean? Well, the Day of Judgment isn't talking about uh, uh, Revelation chapter 20 where it says the Great White Throne Judgment. No, it's not talking about that. This is talking about uh, the Bema Seat Judgment. This is talking about the judgment of rewards or judgments of of lack of rewards. um, As in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Um, where it talks about it there. You may want to turn there just for a moment in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. uh, I think it starts along about maybe verse 10 perhaps. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth on it. But every man take heed how he buildeth upon it. So what foundation are we talking about? Christ. And we are to be careful how we build upon the foundation of Christ and of salvation. Verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall be declared, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall test every man's work of what sort it is. So this uh, idea of judgment here, and of building upon the foundation, is that are we building upon the foundation of Christ with precious things, or are we building upon the uh, foundation of Christ with corruptible things, as you say? And, of course, we are to be building upon the foundation of the gospel of Christ with precious things, things that honor God, things that which are to the glory of God. And so this is, uh, this is the idea of the, of the uh, Bema seat judgment. Verse 14, If any man work, abide, he hath built upon it, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So here again, um, the emphasis that the Spirit of God dwells in us. And uh, so what is, what is this judgment that he's talking about? This is the judgment here. Uh, The judgment of of rewards or lack of rewards. And uh, so it says, because we abide in God and God in us, we shall have boldness in the day of judgment. Uh, By the way, we we, we don't lose the idea of boldness because our boldness is in Christ. That is, our confidence is in Christ. And so at the Day of Judgment, when the Lord tests our our works to see what we have done for Him, we can stand at that time and say, Yes, I have done these things in the name of the Lord, in the name of Christ. And so our confidence is not in ourselves, it is in Christ. Our boldness is not in ourselves, it is in Christ. And that is the idea. Uh, And so John doesn't mention these things from the negative viewpoint, He mentions this from the positive viewpoint. He says, you will have boldness in the day of judgment because you you know God, His Spirit is in you. You will have boldness in the day of judgment because you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. You will have boldness in the day of judgment because God's Spirit is in you. You will have boldness in the day of judgment because the love of God has been demonstrated through you. You see, that is the idea that he is uh, putting forward here. And uh, then he goes on back to uh, 1 John chapter 4 now, in verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath punishment. Well, what does he mean by this? Well, simply stated it is to say this, if someone is afraid, then it is because they believe they are going to suffer some kind of judgment. And uh, that means that they do not have the love of God in them. So remember in the previous verse, he says, we have boldness in the day of judgment. The contrasting view is that some will not have boldness in the day of judgment because the love of God is not in them. In other words, they do not know God. They do not know the Lord. They have not the faith and confession of Jesus Christ. So there is, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath punishment. Fear is its own kind of punishment. Um, If someone, if, you know, when we was in, perhaps in grade school or something, and uh, some of the kids were throwing erases at one another or something, and the teacher stepped into the room... Uh, everybody was afraid because they knew the teacher was going to do something. <laughs> and and generally the people who were afraid had a, were thought they were going to get a detention or some kind of judgment uh, uh, levied against them. And that's what it's talking about, you know, the fear of judgment. J- fear brings its own judgment. But for, for those who confess the Lord, for those who know they have the Spirit of Christ in them, For those who realize and confess Christ as their Savior and the love of God is demonstrated in their lives do not have fear of this kind of judgment. In verse uh, 18, He that feareth is not made perfect in love. You see, again, the contrasting view. That is the contrasting view, which uh, John is emphasizing the positive to us. But he lays out the contrasting view because he wants to drive the point home that uh, we do not fear but rather have boldness in the day of judgment. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. Uh, This is the underlying theme of our great uh, boldness and confession of faith. Because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And again, it begins to lay out this contrasting argument. Uh, Those who do not love means that they actually hate their brother, their, their, uh, their, their fellow man. They hate their fellow man. They have hate toward man rather than love toward man. Well, we see a lot of hate today, don't we. Um, there was just another mass murder there in Buffalo, New York. Um, someone hated somebody so bad that they killed ten people. Now certainly, that is not the love of God. And uh, that is that is uh, truly showing the hatred that a person has toward others. And that means that God, they do not know the love of God. They do not have the love of God. God does not abide in them, but they abide under judgment. And uh, this is John's point. Verse 21, And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Uh, sometimes he comes back to the simplest and most basic truth that we can use as a litmus test. To prove our love. Do we love others? Do we have hope and love in Christ toward others because of God's love and spirit in us? He says, we should. We should. And, and that is the, the most simple proof, or verifying proof, that can confirm upon our hearts our love for God. is that we do love others. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ. We do confess Christ. We do know the Spirit of God dwells in us. We do know God, that he abides in us. And we do not have fear at the day of judgment, but rather we have boldness because of Christ. These things, these things show and see the invisible God. The invisible God is seen in our lives if we demonstrate these things. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your word to us. Ask for your blessing. Pray for your grace and mercies. Continue to encourage us, Lord, in our walk of faith and labor of love and patience of hope that we may prove our walk in this world. In Jesus' name, amen.